Hello and welcome to this week's Starsman Podcast with me, James York, and... Ted Knudsen. We're not screwing around, James. No, we're not. Very busy. Very busy. You're, the, the courses start again this week, start, don't they? You're off up to somewhere. The, the relentless drumbeat of courses. New York City this weekend. Um, for those of you who have not signed up, we've got Introduction to Football Analytics on the Saturday, and it will wrap up... As promised, in time for the Champions League final, which we will try and get a feed of to watch in the room. And those of you who want to leave can, and those of you who want to hang around, we'll do some uh, some time for self-study on Stats by MyQ. You'll have access to all sorts of data on there. And then on Sunday, 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 um, we've got the set pieces course, which is going to be great. And then the week after, we've got London. Uh, still has some space on the introduction side. I think like five to ten slots total out of a pretty big room, 75. And then uh, set pieces are there. And then we've got a secret trip to Switzerland to give a course for a group there. And then in July 6th and 7th, I will be in Los Angeles, California to so, yeah. give a course there. And we actually have one, I believe, that's going to come to Tejas, uh, the great state of Texas. Uh, that one will be in August hasn't been announced yet but we're finalizing the details so it's a busy summer and that's why we gotta talk fast because we got lots of transfer rumors yeah I got loads to do I got loads to do but we you know we're not gonna abandon our podcast listeners our loyal fans (laughs) look at how the priorities have changed because (laughs) years passed to be like fuck the podcast too busy oh and for those of you who wish that we had a bleeped version so you could listen to the podcast in front of your kids sorry not happening (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm far stricter than Ted, but Ted's Ted's a, a free man of uh, conversation. The we Stats say. Bomb podcast is intended for mature audiences only. Yeah, it's uh, just the way it is. But anyway, speaking of mature audiences, <laughs> fuck sorry ball. That's the first topic. Let's go. That's a little harsh. I like sorry ball. I think it's good. But you've 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 uh, kind of looked over the rumors around the place and decided what we're, what we're going to cover here um, so we were supposed to do last week we were going to do like kind of a rebuilding chelsea via the podcast i used to do these in in print articles but uh, they take a lot of time a lot of energy and we can just wing it on the podcast uh, not that it doesn't take the research because it does but i decided to back off of that because the sorry rumors about him leaving were so strong and it's weird because like we both think that he's had a successful season and hasn't wasn't supported in the transfer market for various reasons, uh, partly because he came on so late because of the Conte thing. Um, but yeah, so anyway, uh, the the big rumor is that he's already agreed to a deal to move to uh, Juventus and like they're signing players for him or they're rumored to be signing really? players. So, uh, so what do we think about, about Sarri to Juve? Do you know what I thought? My immediate thought about Sarri to Juve was is it's the same thing again. Basically, he's going to have to go, you know, from a kind of go and go and install his style over the top of what's been a fairly effective, um, possibly defence first. I mean, I guess Conte's Chelsea are a little bit more. They're probably not that much more defensive than um, Allegri's Juventus, but it's the same thing. He's going to have to kind of like change the emphasis of how they play. And is uh, is that what they're in for? Just is Ronaldo really going to want to? You know, do as he do as he's told. No. <laughs> so, so this is it. I mean, I had like mild concerns about Eden Hazard um, being, you know, just being Eden Hazard. He will always spend a lot of time on the ball. He's not like a, you know, kind of like rapid fire passer that's going to kind of zing your attack around in that way. He's different, and you know, I think Sarri's more about. Um, you know, kind of quick combinations and things. So yeah, where, where, where does Ronaldo fit into that? I don't know. That said. 
go back to Italy, get the top job, you know, it's got to be tempting. Yeah, I'm certain it's tempting. I, I think that you're right in that, you know, he's going to kind of start all over for a style that really benefits from players having knowledge of that style and learning from it. Uh, you know, good question as to whether Jorginho is just like off to Juventus too. Does he go to the same place <laughs> or not? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I find. And so the good part about going to Juve is that he'll just have such a stupid talent advantage and money advantage that, you know, it might not necessarily matter for the league. Uh, but then they, you know, they'll have to play that style in Europe, and and that could be a little more tricky. Uh, you know, we'll see. I I think that he deserves to stay in in England, not knowing anything that's behind the scenes. But there you go. You just don't get these transition seasons, do they? And I think Sarri is, is a two season project anywhere. Um, exactly, and and teams that hire managers need to understand a lot about this, right? Mm. You know. If they're not going to take you down or like significantly make you worse, multiple years really helps you for the most part. Unless they're a crazy person, like it helps the players be able to understand what their roles are, to be able to understand the style, to be able to understand how to defend in that role. Like that's a big deal, and it also helps to like you know build the knowledge and and help churn your squad. Because like mm. oftentimes the squad takes a while to churn to meet very specific requirements. The the classic example of this right now, and probably the most important example, is Klopp and Liverpool. Mm. But Pochettino and uh, and Spurs as well have have very similar outcomes and a very similar timeline. Right, season one they were a bit of a mess. Season two they got better, and then season three like everything is stable and it looks like they can finally run. Where are those two teams right now? Yeah, it's um. By hook or by crook, this, this works out well for them. But you have, I, you I, have to answer it for James. James like, that's the question. <laughs> Where are those two teams right now? Those two teams that took Madrid. multiple years. <laughs> yeah, well, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for the Champions League final. But there yeah. we go. Everyone's exactly. going to cover that. We don't need to cover the Champions League final. We're not covering the Champions League final, but there are some people that would not get the implication of that. So. Yeah, get a good manager, support them in the transfer market. Understand that they don't you don't support doesn't mean give them everything they fucking want or only the players that they want, but know that you need to learn from them what the style requires and it will take you a while to turn the squad to meet their needs. So there you go. All right, moving right along. Um Rack Attack. Rakitic to Manchester United. <laughs> See, he brought, he brought this up last week and I was like, what's he on about? I haven't seen this story anywhere, so I reckon this must be from the deepest depths of the tabloids or something because I learned a quick look and you're, you haven't plucked it from the sky it does exist as a, at least a, a storyline it would be a I guess it would be a United um, kind of like two three seasons ago signing he costs a lot of money he's 31 he's still probably pretty good but who's who's thinking this is a good idea in, in 2019 I, I not me his agent <laughs> that's true. Same, it's the same thing with Luka Modric being like, yeah, he's going to go to Inter or somewhere, right? Oh, well, talk, talking. I said you haven't put this on the list, but this came up yesterday because um, the Madrid chairman came out and said uh, that Ramos had asked to go on a free transfer to China. Did you see that? To China? Yeah, yeah. Ramos apparently had asked to go on a free. On, on a free. <laughs> can, can I just go? Because uh, I did not see this. That is, you'd have put it on the list if you had, I'm sure. But, <laughs> um, yeah, supposedly Ramos. Ramos. There must have been offered like the earth to go to China, but the, his club's come out. Um, suppo- supposedly come out. This club has come out and said, "Oh yeah, but we don't want to pay a fee." So he's like, <laughs> gone and gone and said, "Can I go?" And. Uh, <laughs> 
Chairman said no. Can so who knows where I, that goes? Can I go? Yeah. They're, they're going to pay me three million a week. <laughs> yeah. All the money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. So well, I, don't, I don't know where that's going. So to just to divert off, uh, off your, your well, racketage story, then. It's really unusual for. Uh, Chinese transfers to be defenders as well, like really unusual. They, mm. they stock up because you only get, I think, three or four, yeah. uh, depending, and the rules keep changing. But like sometimes it's you can have three in your squad and one extra on the bench or something like that. Sometimes there's uh, you can have an external Asian player, so like you could have a Korean or something like that. Anyway, the Chinese rules are, are tough to keep up with. It's like it's like MLS light, <laughs> yeah. And they, I mean, yeah, they. They seem to have slowed down their, their recruitment or, you know, just star-led recruitment um, well, somewhat. Well, they basically filled a giant gap uh, mm. two seasons ago or yeah. three seasons ago. And it's kind of interesting because, like, obviously we have – I have connections in China. We've talked about it before. Like, we knew that – I knew that Musa Dembele was not moving to Guangzhou Evergrande or Beijing Goan. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's – what I heard was really interesting. So – like just before all of the restrictions started to take place on transfer movement and stuff, uh, Guangzhou Evergrande went and bought up like the bulk, like more than 50% of the best U23s in China. And then there was like a cap put on the the, the, the movement that could happen in, inside of it. It's really kind of funky. But um, yeah, so it's fun. Like actually that league is interesting to watch. And last I checked, Roger Schmidt's Beijing... They had a fantastic start, didn't they? They won yeah, all their games I, at one point. I, don't know I think they lost last weekend for no. the first time. So, yeah, they're 10-0-1 uh, in 11 <laughs> matches, 23 ga- goals scored, 5 goals against. That's, this is strong. <laughs> that's pretty good. But they're only two points ahead of Shanghai. Uh, so, uh, formerly AVB's club, who is in the news as of yesterday again. Uh, beloved AVB. I like AVB. I'm not sure his football is going to be, going to be wildly successful or has evolved in the last five years, but it's, especially still like given it. like how um, intolerant Marseille fans are of inconsistency. Yeah, <laughs> like, AVB's football is nothing but inconsistent. It is consistent in its inconsistency. It, it could be. Yeah, that could be a. I don't know. I can I can see the fit there just because it could be a little bit stop start, and that that feels like well, Marseille have been a bit stop start over the years. So you can perhaps get away with being um, not quite as consistent as uh, as as not. But yeah, it's kind of good seeing back in football. Anyway, it's been a while. He's been rallying and such. So it's been eighteen months, I think, since he's had a job in in football. Which is quite a long time for a manager these I days. feel like you need to clarify the rallying bit as well because that could have many different implications but you mean literal yeah literally literally like Dakar driving across yeah. deserts in souped up super yep. trucks yep this is AVB's life so as you do. probably riding motorcycles across various continents he's the same age as me which always makes me think you know find an interesting contrast between his life and my life you and I could have that. You and McGregor and and Charlie Boer, whatever his name is, uh, dynamic. We just hop on motorcycles and ride across continents. Yeah, Sound good. That means I got to leave the house though, Ted. Oh, I try and minimize that. Dagger. <laughs> right. Anyway, right. Well, we got this. Is a wild, wild story that you've. you've this was done. hot. This was hot uh, as of like two days ago. So, uh, Bobby Martinez, Bobby M. Roberto. Off to Barcelona to replace Ernesto Valverde. Just, I might, yeah. Again, reactionary take on this one. You know, you, you, you've 
You've got a pro. Your main problem, your only problem, is that you keep losing these these really skewed two leg ties. And the one, if that's the problem you want to solve, I think <laughs> the one guy I'm probably not going to hire is Roberto Martinez because I think game control uh, and you know managing a managing a game situation is possibly possibly one of his weak spots. So, so it's really interesting. Like the Martinez timeline is is utterly fascinating um really well spoken and uh he was at was he at swansea first and then wigan or wigan and then swansea i think it was swansea and then wigan yeah so at swansea they play kind of the tiki taka passing possession style uh using possession defensively quite interesting goes to wigan gets relegated but also wins the fa cup that <laughs> um and he was at Wigan for a while and did okay like that that club wow what a mess at the time and then Everton gets the big promotion to Everton and just everybody realizes that there are two things going on here and and from the outside from our perspective as this podcast pretty much always is uh they don't focus ever on set pieces. And in fact, he finds it almost distasteful to do anything with set pieces is what we were told in, not by himself, but, uh, well, sometimes by himself, but like more by the coaches or the, the players that we heard from outside of it. And then like the defense just gradually unwinds. Yeah, the interesting thing about his time at Everton was, I think they came, they had a good season, and they came fifth or something the first season into the right. there. And there was this, I, I mean, I was I was attracted to the idea that um, it, Moyes' kind of like defensive systems were like kind of continued to work for some while. And then, you know, it took time to kind of shake out. And then like subsequent two seasons he was there, they were they were not defensively good at all. Um, and in fact, when he, when he left... When he left Everton, I mean, that awful, awful derby where they got absolutely annihilated. I, I think I can remember the, sh- the shot count over the score. It was something like you know, 30, 38 shots to three or something horrific. Kept it close. Something like that, anyway. And yeah, and it was just like, right, yeah, this, this is, this is over. And he went, you know, quite soon after that, about three or four matches after that. But um, uh, people love him. Seems to deal with people incredibly well. Like these are all factors. And yeah, his attack, yeah. his attack is interesting. And yeah, his attacking principles are probably pretty good. Definitely willing to let players experiment. Um, but it, it's kind, it was also kind of interesting to to listen to like De Bruyne coming from being under Pep. And and then feeling like they were under prepped for the World Cup and and that like you know and it's not just right. him it's others too like Alderweireld under under Pochettino and and you're like hmm yeah that's that's a fair point because it's not as if like you know his time at Belgium which has been I guess in the scheme scheme of uh, international football has looks been wildly su- successful successful enough you know semi final World Cup that's fine um, but yeah no I agree we've we've seen him have you know a set of good players in in Belgium and did he get the most as much out of them as you possibly could that's that's open to debate and they Let's were open clarify. they were uh, they're always they're not open. just a set of good players yeah yeah they're they were the, yeah easily one of the top three talented four talented teams in that squad everybody at peak age pretty much and it was just it was just kind of harem scare crazy attacking and a bit vulnerable in defense I mean maybe that so works for a, Barcelona to give you a counterpoint <laughs> Would you want to put Gareth Southgate, who finished in almost exactly the same position in the World Cup, with a slightly less talented group of players? Do you think that he should manage, say, Barcelona or Manchester United or Manchester City? Not really, no. Right. Um, and yeah, and I mean, we, we do have more lineage, but yeah, no, I mean, that's that's. I think 
Uh, he's he's almost too defensively minded. Um, for to, that's the thing. Like Martin, if Martinez gets on a roll and it goes well, then you know Barcelona could ups and then he does go there. They could score hat loads of goals. You know, even more than they do now. He but, gets like, the they'll first always be vulnerable. Bump. He gets the first season bump from Valverde's team having Valverde's defensive principles, which mm. unfortunately weren't very good this year for whatever reason. So, may, yeah, it's tricky. Maybe we we need to combine Roberto Martinez and Gareth Southgate and have them go man <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, here we are. We're, we're bloody Americans <laughs> with our ideas. <laughs> offensive coach and defensive coach. Exactly. Head coach, <laughs> offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. And don't just make fun of me because England has this too. They have in-possession and out-of-possession coaches. Yeah. You jerk. Yeah, but uh, maybe that's not, yeah, but actual <laughs> dual managers, like Roy Evans and Gerard Houllier. So let's flip around to more your area of interest and expertise. Okay. The youngster Jack Clark from uh, Leeds to yeah. Spurs. How are we feeling about this? I've seen this, this touted about the place. I don't know too much about him. I saw him a little bit, and he seemed quite, um, he seemed quite an interesting young player. Um, he hasn't played that much, at least. He's very young. I mean... Uh, 18 years old, 10.490s, uh, attacking midfielder slash midfielder. Now, going back to last year and your, 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 hmm, how do we put it? I don't want to say affair. You're, you're sort of like jukebox from afar with Jack Grealish, etc. cetera, hmm. uh, knowing that Mr. Erickson may or may not be around. Mm-hmm. The, 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 there's a need here. There's been a need. So well, at least it fits, fits the need concept. Yeah, well, I, I, Pochettino just wouldn't bring an eighteen-year-old and and empower them into the first team. I, he'd he'd end up on the fringes, and that's fine for you know like a short term. There's a lot of noise. I mean, the BBC. I wonder about the BBC because they they had that um, Ornstein article, which is interesting at, at the start of the summer, which kind of covered it like you know the six big teams and what are their needs and what are the what's the ideas behind their transfers. And then yesterday they actually reported that uh, Tottenham had made a like fifty-three million pound bid for uh, Lo Celso uh, from Betis, and it's like okay because every it's BBC everyone's like okay that's a reliable source. That's like a thirty million flip right within yeah. months. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, and apparently they well according to the story again what 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 do we believe we don't know but this is BBC so you know they're they're not really football room among it has to be sourced at least yeah yeah so um you know they're saying that the betis want even more and that maybe uh atletico i think it was might might join the bidding and atletico have paid big money for players as well and they could end up with some griezmann money to to spend and maybe even we'll talk about later rodri money but um yeah i I mean, Spurs have got to make some big signings this summer. So I'd be more inclined to see like at least one player like that. If Ericsson goes, then you, you can't just try and sell the idea to Pochettino. It's okay, we'll just, we'll just bring some kids through. You're like, no, come on, you know, this guy's the heartbeat of my team. Like Ericsson has missed, like I think, under 10 league games in all the time he's... Oh, I agree. Like, I wasn't saying this is like the direct replacement. The, the Grealish flotation from last year was more the correct one. Well, that's interesting as well because obviously Villa going up, and congratulations to them for getting through the playoffs. Um, Indeed, like just change the, the the dynamic there. Uh, one of you know Grealish's points was like if he's going to get into the England squad in any way, uh, you know, one of the ideas around Grealish uh, and such was uh, that he needed to be in the Premier League. Now, if he's in the Premier League anyway, he could, if if his heart's at Villa, then he could probably give them a season. You know, the the necessity to move has kind of declined a little bit with, with Villa going up. Um, he could probably be good or fairly good in um, in the Villa team in the Premier League and, you know, just kind of 
increase his chances of of getting into the national squad, and then maybe you know depending on what happens to Villa, maybe move on a year after or or something. We'll talk, Whereas we'll talk about Villa later in the summer, I think, because it's an interesting yeah, yeah. conversation. Like a lot of loans, a lot of age on that squad, but they they got up with some really quite good players as well. Actually, funny ones like uh, Connor Hurhain, who probably has been one of the best. Y- peak midfielders uh, and young midfielders in the English Football League for quite a long while. Almost unheralded, great dead ball striker. John McGinn, who um, we know some some teams in that league that, that absolutely loved him last year. They got up with him. Obviously, Tammy's there. Uh, but they spent just fuck tons so much money on the players in that team so like don't don't feel like they overcame anything there like between them and Darby there's just like a lot of cash moving back to Jack Clark though sorry oh, a prime as well is a good example because like you know where he was going to go next season is 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 would could have been a, a difficult conversation now presumably you know Villa and Chelsea like come to some kind of agreement and everyone's happy providing he should Chelsea, be at Chelsea. Chelsea providing Chelsea don't need or don't he should be at re- Chelsea require him to be there there is no question that he should be at Chelsea this isn't even like if there's any sense behind the scenes there this isn't a negotiation he is at least their number two striker in the squad at Chelsea period end of and Iguain does not belong there that's that's my very strong opinion uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to fundamentally disagree with you, but if I am a professional in this space, you must validate my opinion. <laughs> if, there, if there is, if there is a case of a like, you know, he he's going to get like lots of game time at Villa and wants to go and play and not, homegrown not be a, player not out of their academy man. plays multiple positions, very well regarded, scores tons. Just put him in the fucking squad and play him once in a while. Jesus Christ, this is not a hard thing, Chelsea. <laughs> that's that. Now, what what do we Jack mean? Clark? Hang I'm, on, we haven't finished this. His numbers look great. I buy him in a second. Would you? I suppose yeah. he is eighteen. I did, eighteen I years old. He's numbers. completing over three dribbles per ninety. He's like nearly. He's like point two five in open play xG assisted. Uh, he's eighteen in a men's league. Absolutely, you buy this kid. Ten fifteen million. Don't think twice about it. Like I'm in. All right. Give him yeah. the Pochettino for, for, you know, a year or two. Like, let him train him up. But, like, this is all super-duper promising, the right age, and I'm pretty sure he's English as well. So, like, again, we, we're very cognizant about homegrown status and making sure that, you know, you've got enough depth in your squad. Yeah, I mean, as I, as I say, I, I think, you know, like, he wouldn't get near the first team or he'd be, like, you know, a League Cup guy. I mean, this is this is where Spurs are at now. Like, you've got, you've got to be a seriously, like... Um, to get into their kind of like attacking uh, line, you've got to be seriously talented, you know. And when when you, you consider he's just kind of sat on his hands for two years, bought Lucas Moura, who you know had very decent credentials, obviously Brazilian international, uh, played for PSG, um, and then like no one else has got near. I mean, Loren- I guess Lorente came in and, and is part of the rotation, but. It's just Pochettino's very slowly, slow to integrate um, younger players now. But that's fine because at some point you need those younger players because if you never integrate anybody else into your squad and you <laughs> you need the young players to gradually move into that squad as the other ones mature, yeah. how do you manage them? You can't use that both ways, right? You have to buy young players so that you can eventually improve them and, and integrate them. If you don't buy them because they're not going to play immediately, then you never buy anyone. Yeah, I know. It's I, I agree. They, they need to have these players in the squad just in general. It's a it's a positive move. Right now, who have we got next? Um, the Joao. Ja- ja- <laughs> 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 Bloody 
Portuguese names, man. João Cancelo and João Felix, you want to talk about? I, I, I wrote them as the Jaos, and I yeah. intentionally left it to James to pronounce them. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cancelo uh, might be interesting. Well, again, this is everyone linked with is it Man United or Man City? look it it changes by a week and it doesn't really (laughs) matter right some large club up north wears either red or blue and has a large budget i can't see man city going from really they're pretty covered on that on the right side i know he's versatile and he can play either either side but he's generally a right right back and he's really good but they've got Carl Walker for now. Carl Walker's fine. I mean, d- despite the fact that you can always watch a game with Carl Walker and, and, and wince once or twice just <laughs> because that's just the way he is. He's still he's still really pretty handy and uh, and pretty much in- entrenched in there. And they've got Danilo milling, milling around. Oh, just, maybe they just want world class two world class players in every position. I mean, why not? <laughs> that could be the angle there. And Man United, who's they just bought Delo. Um no, I'm not. Wait, I'm not buying this. Uh, Diego Delo last summer. Oh yeah, sure, sure. So like right. you know they've got ideas there. Plus, who's going to swap Juve for Man United? Paul Pogba. Um, <laughs> anyone <laughs> else going to do that? I'd mm. be surprised. Um, yeah, I I think that's true. I Cancelo hmm, uh, has been rumored. Um, also, is widely considered one of the best two-way fullbacks in Europe. Uh, I don't know about Delat or Diego Delat. Well, how are you? I think it's Delat, but <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> Look, I, this is one where I, I other people have pronounced it in England. I'm like, mm. <laughs> yeah. I, we we've given up on Portuguese names. Let's just be honest. I know. Uh, uh, how about João Felix? Uh, so young player for Benfica, right? Uh, yeah, 18, 19 years old. Yeah, yeah. I was I was kind of like giving a scan over his his num- numbers and you know skills and whatever it is. His shot map looks old. shot map looks really nice. Lots of goals from through balls and you know lots of nice central shots. There's a bit yeah. of super powered element of Benfica. Like yeah, they're yeah. Really good, and the rest of the league is. Mm. Yeah, he uh, hasn't he hasn't played much um, in like Euro, was it Europa League? They they had a few games, and his shot map just is okay there. But he's got got a couple of goals there. Um, Fairly flexible, um, left right sided, uh, some pressure. Um, you know, can create goals for his teammates, which is good. Like what you want to see. So if you if you put him on like the wide forward or attacking midfielder template, he looks like he's great, like genuinely great. Um, and and if, if that's sort of like how you think of him as as that type of dynamic, you know, creative, not a, a huge dribbler though, which is interesting as well. Uh, age 19. So it depends on what you're looking for. But it's certainly the 100 million is not correct. That's that's the the rumor that that was out there like I'm super right. skeptical on 100 million. Um especially like his profile is not that dissimilar to like a Diogo Jota or a Jota um who at Wolves like a guy that we loved. We thought Wolves, you know, basically bought two or brought in two Champions League players for their championship campaign to get them up and out. Um so yeah, I'd, I mean, good young attacker, yes. Nineteen years old, yes. Uh, whereas Jack Clark at sort of ten, fifteen million, and makes so much sense for Spurs and is homegrown. Sure, uh, Felix has way bigger price tag, and you're like, he's probably good, but I don't want to overpay and be wrong. Yeah, it feels, as you talk, I'm just feeling like it doesn't feel like this this transfer needs to happen yet. It's it's early days with him. It's, it's you know what what can, what can he literally do at Benfica that's going to turn his, his his fee into you know absolutely insane? It's it's never going to go. 
you know, unless he single-handedly won a like European trophy with with his team, then it, it's, there's only there's probably going to be a kind of like expensive cap on on his value. And yeah, maybe I I'm probably more happy. He only he only played like half a season really. He was in in and out of the team the first you know bit of sub sub minutes and occasional start in the first half of the season. He's 19. There's, there is no rush with this guy. He can Well, usually in order to maximize their value, they've got to have another stop-off, right? And that stop-off is usually either in Spain or Italy. Yeah, maybe maybe someone will buy him as an investor. But the thing is, you can't go and buy. You can't spend 50 million or whatever price he might be touted at on an investment project, can you? If, you, they, if you're spending that much money on a player, then people expect them to be playing from the start. And yeah, I maybe it's a little bit early for him. That's just you know, I, I might be wrong. I haven't seen him play, you know, beyond a handful of minutes here or there. So, you know, if he if he's literally as good as as maybe he could be, then then what I'm saying is is not really going to hold much water. But um, he's not he's not killing he's not killing him back, is he? So that's, that's... back to Tottenham Hotspur. We're gonna got a we got another hot rumor here for the Hotspurs. Uh, <laughs> Kieran Trippier, not Spur. Yeah. Uh, going Go to potentially Napoli, Atletico, uh, somewhere warmer with better weather. It's Trippi is an absolutely fascinating player, really, because it, it depends what you want from him. Like, there's there's really strong rumblings around the fan base that that like, like, would like to replace him and get new new fullbacks and stuff. And over time, like you do see like a vulnerability down the right side in in Tottenham. I, I feel. And it's not something that's necessarily improved, but it sounds so sweet. You see a vulnerability. <laughs> you do, and in they, the right they, side, they can they, see it makes them more lovable. They can, they do can see goals on that side, but I, it, it kind of negates what Trippier actually is. Um, like you won't find many fullbacks with with his kind of like crossing ability, and he's 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 kind of one dimensional. Like he he moves the ball quickly. He doesn't really sit on the ball. He doesn't run with the ball. He's he's just you know a passer kind of crosser type. He's got dead ball skills as well. Um, I don't know. It's possibly he's kind of like been undervalued uh, up to this point because because he's because he's not a kind of do everything type of player. He's not like Danny Rose. He's he's going to kind of like bomb past defenders and, and thrill in that regard. But his delivery is pretty solid. I don't know. I think he's a little bit mis misunderstood in some ways. So when you see like teams like Napoli and Atletico Madrid being being linked with him, like there's ob- there's obviously teams out there that can see what he can do. I mean, you'd think potentially he could be he could be more prosperous in in a kind of like three five two system. I mean, not saying those teams are going to set up like that at all, but like in Italy, yeah, with a with less def- <laughs> with less defensive responsibilities as a kind of like you know more of a you know kind of standard uh, right midfield kind of position. But a Kolasinic that can pass a little better, but is uh, not quite as much beef. At the same time, he's he's been Tottenham's first choice right back all, all year, and. Um, you know, he got to a World Cup semi-final, scored a goal. He's now in the Champions League final. On paper, his credentials look really solid, and I think it would uh, Tottenham would have to have like a really strong idea about going out and getting a, a new right back, not just relying on Sergio Aurier, who's been a bit injured. You know, my opinion here. Go on. Man should just go get paid. Well, uh, go get paid because you you're probably not getting that paid that well by uh, Mr. Levy, and you know. His skill set also probably lasts longer if he goes elsewhere. Mm. Yeah, so, I, I, this is it. He's not, you know, he's not like, uh, you know, a physical dynamo. So that 
there's there's definitely an angle to to say that he he could go somewhere. But it's it's interesting, like you know, kind of like a year on from the World Cup, where he ov- obviously uh, you know created a kind of a name for himself as being you know someone who can someone who's like internationally talented. A year on, the like transfer rumors come out. You know, normally it normally happens quicker than that, but. Yeah, he's 28 he, right he now. Knows. His problem is he has a contract through 2022. Um, right. Turns, oh, wow. Yeah, he turns 29 in September. So, like, you're either moving him this year or next year. And, yeah. He, he has a French-sounding name, so, you know, that helps. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, like, like I say, the fan base would not necessarily mourn his uh, his departure, but they, I think they might be uh, slightly... Uh, mis- misplaced to feel that way, but That's we fair. shall see. We shall see. Who have we got next? Harry Wilson to anywhere, because obviously, well, I mean, it had Derby gone up at the weekend, and you'd imagine they would try and convert his deal to be at least another loan or something. And now, now where is he? He's in that kind of hinterland between kind of like, is he is he good enough for Liverpool's kind of like the bottom of their bench or? Should he go somewhere else? Yeah, twenty-two year old. Uh, is he that? I didn't realize he's quite quite that old. That, you know, you should be. You're twenty-two. You should be playing. <laughs> well, I mean, twenty-two this spring. He did play, right? He played forty-one nineties yeah, yeah. at Derby. A lot of time. His shot locations are terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're really not pretty. Are they? I, I but you know, may, maybe they knew that he was pretty good from long range. He's got three goals from open play outside the box. He's got another two dead ball strikes. I think most of those outside of the box goals were early in the season. Um, 13 goals total on 109 shots. Shot quality, open play only is about 10%. So not actually that bad. And like some of his, his goals yeah, are off a through we, yeah, we got a few, yeah, exactly. We've got a few here where he's kind of like managed to get into the box, steal into the box and... Uh... And you know the old Lampard runs, isn't it? You know, late era Lampard. Yeah. When it, when, yeah in fact, there's Harry, anybody that can teach you that one. <laughs> Harry Wilson's shot map is a combination between early early era Lampard and late era Lampard. You've got all <laughs> these ones out, all these out long ranges, which is classic Lampard. And then that, that, that you know last season where he went to City and then he went uh, where did he go? Did he go to America? MLS. Yeah, and then he suddenly became this, this kind of like guy who could arrive late in the box and just he, pinch, he cut out goals. all the garbage and then <laughs> yeah. was just like the guy that had amazing shots in the box and scored like way above his xg because he's still a good ball striker yeah, but yeah. it's a hell of a lot easier to score from like 12 12 yards out than it is from 22 i'm quite I'm, I'm quite enamored with this idea this is this is great <laughs> lampard teaching the twin tenets of his career shooting. well I, I mean lamps is, is is quite smart and it's uh yeah i mean i can i can potentially see you know, this this has something legit, and his game changed, and he learned you know later on that this is probably the right way. He had 88 shots from 18 yards or out or longer out of 109. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quite a lot. <laughs> Sorry. Um. So what do you know? Right now, at age 22, um, not an elite dribbler. Uh, definitely more of a midfielder, but he can make those runs. Um. My concern for him, like looking at this this profile, is just the defensive side of it, right? Like, you know, we're not seeing a lot of pressures. We're not seeing much in the way of, you know, defensive activity at all, um, tackles, interceptions, etc. cetera. Uh, wins, wins some good fouls, great, but like, you know, not an elite dribbler. So, you know, probably good with his, his body, but isn't going to dribble well. 
that often and and because of that doesn't necessarily have the ability to to traverse through the midfield that well at a higher level i could be wrong but like that's that's usually my reading on this type of situation so at the moment unless something in his game changes unless you know how he unless we're wrong about this profile you're looking at kind of top of the championship as he as he matures over the next couple years he's probably an average premier league player maybe slightly above Mm. Yeah, I, as you're talking now, I was just I was just thinking like the obvious thing we do is just go back to Derby again. But this, <laughs> you can't just. This is the problem. I, I see this time and again. Like in my mind, it's like, well, just stay at the club you were just at. But in theory, you've got to progress to 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 a next level if you can. Exactly. And and you know that's the like you know what we just argued about uh, Tammy Abraham. He's got you got to find a spot somewhere where he's actually kind of like moving moving up. And yeah, I wasn't super happy with the the Villa loan. Largely because, like, what else are we learning? We know that he can score buckets of goals in the championship. And he was actually, you know, at least average against on a bad, bad team that didn't attack very well in Swansea at that loan. So, like, you know, the next step was different. Now he goes back and he's done you know, very well uh, at Villa on, on quite a good team for the championship. But, like, he's at least an average Premier League player plus. Uh, if he's got you know decent talent on him at at his age, and I actually think that you know he's above that now. He's he's looking at it, and if you're looking, yeah, I think that he could definitely score against most teams in Europe, especially if he's not the only thing that you have to to close down against. So that's my take on him, Harry Wilson. I don't think that that's the same way. You know, I don't think he belongs at Liverpool right now, and I'm not sure that no. given this profile, like he's ever going to be that guy. Yeah, and again, that's you know the same thing I kind of feel about Tottenham is it's, it's hard if you're you know when he's kind of like in between talent players that at your you know your best you're probably going to be like the nineteenth or twentieth selection and you might get I don't know six hundred minutes in a season if you're lucky and most of it will be in the cups that doesn't really help anyone's career long term so you got to make decisions. Um, Harry Maguire to. A Manchester team for some large amount of millions. <laughs> Harry Maguire. Um, I don't think he's not. He's not quick enough for Pep, is he? He's no. got to be faster than that. I'd have thought in to play in that system. So, twenty-six it, years old, English international. Uh, birth date in March. It looks like so. That's fine. Yeah, don't worry, I like Harry Maguire as a player. Like what he brings to the table. Like you know. Uh, in possession, he's 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 really quite useful. You know, obviously, you know, no no secrets around his uh, skill in the air. Is he good? Is pieces. he good in the air? Tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, you can see what there is with him. But if 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 United blinked on him last season with um with you know Mourinho sitting there saying go on by him and they wouldn't <sighs> do it, are they going to do it this season? I Did they blink though? So. Like, we don't know what happened last season. Like, that's infighting and politics and. Whatever, so I'm not sure you can credit that. So I'm not sure which I'm not sure that either of those teams are, are, are likely to go out and, go out and grab him. Uh, Is he at season. least as good as what United currently have? I think so. Yeah, I think I think he'd be all right in there because, um, yeah, no, I, I do. Yeah, I, I, I would I sign him though? I don't know. It's, Seventy million. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's going to be a hell of a lot of money, <laughs> English premium and all this kind of stuff. But he's he's. He's a decent player, but... It doesn't feel like a mistake, but we're not sure about the upside. I'll <laughs> yeah. put it that way. If you're going to if you're gonna go after the set pieces, like then you get a nice little premium. Suddenly he's scoring or creating another 5 to 10 goals a season. I'm interested in that. 
Yeah, you'd quite like to get your hands on him to kind of work <laughs> work with him, but yes, I would. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> but there, there is a vacancy, obviously, at um, at City for this kind of you know how do you replace Vincent Company uh, long term? So there, some sense presumably some centre backs going to turn up. Like Otamendi and Stones were kind of didn't play that many minutes like uh, in in the stretch last, which uh, is interesting because like Stones actually very good on on the ball. Um, ha- seems like he's a better defender. It might fe- be like Pep feels like he's got to cover Stones with uh, 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 the, the the right back. You were just Kyle Walker, so like they c- might have to play together. I don't know. Like is somebody who's opening play certainly quite good. Otamendi's interesting because like he's actually seems to have done fairly well um, mm. in the air as well and and mostly fine. Like you know. <laughs> company's always a die roll as to like whether he's getting that early yellow in and you know potentially going off and it's been that way for a very long time so now that he's gone it almost feels like you need to replace that role maybe maybe just as the season ran on you know the fact like the fact that Fernandinho was out and having that kind of like added bite in midfield and having Gundogan in there instead mm. meant that he felt like having you know company out there as the <laughs> the potential hard man kind of role just kind sure. of balanced balanced that that little dynamic up in the kind of defensive defensive area because you know obviously you know Stones is different but, but that's it Otamendi's pretty he can be pretty wild when he wants to be so yeah yeah absolutely I mean, <laughs> City have a couple of openings this summer uh, and it'll be interesting to see what they do and what profile they go after um, so anyway we like Harry Maguire like Harry Maguire has interesting upside if you're if you're very invested in, in set pieces uh, the the price is probably going to be scary. That's our perspective. yeah. It's, it's it's tough to make that a, a kind of like must <laughs> must happen deal. Right next, let's where, stay in Manchester. Where can Lukaku go? The, the noise is like Italy. I think some possibly Inter. I don't know. There, I've seen that touted a few times. So Cardi um, goes like anywhere else, and Lukaku goes to Inter. Maybe yeah. I don't I I don't know the the details on that one, and you know whether it happens or not is obviously up for grabs. But yeah, I mean the, the trouble with Lukaku, much like a lot of players kind of touted for moves this summer, is is like any potential fee is going to be really large. So does that mean you just you can only loan him out? Possibly. Or the fee isn't that large, and so yeah, I mean the the good example of this deal is Iguain. Iguain, his contract is is very large, like almost stupidly so for. Uh, Italy and part of that was because of the price that was paid for him right like very large contract is going to go along with the 100 million uh, euro fee um, but then like if Juventus don't want him anymore then what do you do with them right and and the the details on this deal are, are basically they loan him out for x number of billions a season that you know you attempt to recoup the value or some element of value around his contract. So Lukaku say that he went for 90 million. He's got what? Three years left on his deal. Is that right? right? You could be right. Yeah. It's not, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. It could be two, but yeah, either way, he's not like, you know, he's not expiring or anything. So he's got value. Right. So, so you loan Lukaku out uh, for 18 million a season and, and that way you're getting some of the money back, but the, the team with him doesn't have to, to pay full whack at once or anything like that. And uh, you know, for for budgeting purposes, you pay that fee you know, kind of as long as you want to, uh, if you're interested in it, and uh, you know, that way it, it saves you some some cash flow. Uh, so yeah, working here. Like, so the rest of Lukaku information. He's 26 years old. He just turned 26 though. His birthday was in May. Um, he's got a 2022 contract option. 
uh, yeah, so he's got an option for an extra year as well. Um, probably very well paid. So you're, you're taking on effectively, say, $18 million in a loan fee and whatever his wages are. Yeah, it's not going to be a cheap deal. Uh, he's, he's still What's his good. performance he's, this year, though, right? He's still decent. That's the thing. I mean, I, he had a nothing of a season just, but, like, um, especially his early seasons in the Premier League, you know, he's, this guy just kept, kept getting goals. And I was, I was quite positive about him going to Man United. I don't know if you people were less, uh, you know, less encouraged by the fact that he could trap the ball further than he could pass it and stuff. But um, 12 Premier League goals this year. In 2690s, like basically on target with his expected goals numbers, you know, right around anyway. Uh, you know, the concern is like he didn't get a lot of shots and he doesn't really create his own shots, but he actually can play as a counterattacker, especially well. I think that he's like extremely difficult to deal with in a, in a movement perspective. So, like, if you're able to unlock him, you might even be getting you know, decent value. It's just that he's already at the top of his price sphere, right? So like, you're pretty happy to take this guy on loan for a season or two, put him with some some passers that can you know open it up to let him run onto the ball. If you're super possession-based, maybe you don't want to do that. Uh, I mean, yeah. It, it, the problem is really like the past price that was paid, not necessarily the, the future bit. So yeah. you, you know, if you're getting him for, say, like $12 million a year or something, which is a $60 million, value striker you're actually all right with that yeah it's it's tough but like there, there, there is going to have to be some kind of movement at man united in some ways if not you know if not to kind of just to turn over the squad you know it, and it depends like who who is it they're actually going to get rid of because you know you could you could write a long list of players that you could say like yeah maybe their time has, has passed you know who he would fit under particularly well and it's probably not possible because of a move that happened in january but i think that he's the style of player that simeone would get along with mm. like you know really big strong can potentially use him from set piece although it's never been his game like you might have to turn him around and and train some some better headers but certainly like a team that doesn't care about possession that much he can work fairly hard out of possession and yeah. you know on the on the break like he just causes all sorts of mismatch problems like that's interesting i can see that working and we can flip to that on our last uh, our last topic because we we were thinking about rodri who's who's at atletico at the moment so they can sell rodri and buy lukaku solved it doesn't they're not the <laughs> <laughs> great managers can adapt ted they can adapt their <laughs> squads but <laughs> I've, I've done the financials. It adds up. Wait, can, can you remind me, what does Rodri do again? Position? <laughs> I, I know that you have scouted him in detail because he was one of the gems that we found <laughs> yeah, in I know. a late 2017 project that we did oh, to man. find future players that would move to the Premier League or good enough to move to the Premier League. And, and we <laughs> internally, we were like, well, if Arsenal were just to buy Rodri, <laughs> uh, who at the time had a 12 million euro release clause and Fabio and Ruiz, they would basically fix their midfield for the next five years and they would be absolutely dynamite. Now this is 2017. We have proof of this, uh, but it was for a different project and something. To be fair, we, to be fair, we had, we had a uh, Terrera on that list as well. Although we, we did. didn't, we didn't have Guendouzi. I don't know if anyone had Guendouzi. So he was, no. it was quite the, quite the find he was, but um, yeah, I'd have, I'd have certainly uh, been looking, investigating, uh, signing Rodri before Atletico did, and now Man City, if they're gonna like go for him, they're gonna pay the premium 
Well, I mean, they are, and that's what they do, but also pretty much a perfect fit, right? Like, he can, he fits that Gundogan slot. He can be more creative and dynamic. He can play a bit further back. He's been more defensive under Simeone. I just love this kid. And, you know, who knows what the the price will actually be. But yeah, I mean, apparently, if you use stats and data and you, uh, you know, try and, excuse me, do this stuff ahead of time, uh, you you can be ahead of the curve. Um, Actually, I mean, that kind of comes back to, uh, some interesting questions that we get asked regularly. Like, so it doesn't cost that much in order to to set this type of thing up for a club. And we have a history of doing this for all sorts of uh, different teams. And uh, it, it's it's the type of thing where if you're coming on and, and you're an owner of a club or something like that, it almost makes sense to have someone high up in your organization kind of run that alongside of your normal organization. So like mm. say say you were to come in and buy leads. Say say you're Sheik who's buying leads or someone who buys Newcastle. Uh, another good example. And you you know that the club's all right, but you also know that you want to get invested in analytics and you don't really know like kind of the quality of the internal output. Newcastle especially have been really weird. Uh, and Leeds like haven't had great talent. I I think that Bielsa did a great job with the yeah. squad this year. I don't think that their talent was great, especially for like how big that club is. Uh, but apparently they've been reasonably well well managed and didn't want to spend that much money. So like, what can you do in order to learn more information? And and you know, someone proposed to me at one point like, well, why doesn't someone just like hire your your club as a, a consultant um, or your team <clears throat> your company? as a consultant to run alongside of it, uh, to look at, you know, these are the suggestions that they have from a database perspective. Uh, so like you've got all of the, we currently collect 25 leagues. Uh, we will be on 40 leagues for next year. You know, what are you recommending? What are you seeing that's interesting? What are the prices? Why, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like we've got our own scouting uh, and do it that way. And it's, it's like a really interesting prospect because when you look back, and I think the story that came out this week was that, Ian Graham used to work for exactly the same type of institution at Deck Tech when he was at, at Spurs. Mm. And yeah. then eventually goes to Liverpool, has been there, I think, since 2011, maybe 2012. Uh, along Edwards is there as well. And now they have one of the best recruitment groups in, in the world. They consistently take you know players that are moderately priced and and help polish them into gems they're doing a really great job and and it is almost exactly that same type of thing that that Spurs were supposed to be doing back then now i don't we don't know which guys were Spurs recommendations or anything like that but it is the concept and it's actually not that expensive uh, you know we we always talk about like how much does it cost to set up a good analytics group and it's probably you know even for somebody that's really good that runs on top of it it's like basically the cost of your your wages for your third string goalkeeper in the Premier League. Yeah, it's it's kind of negligent not to be running at these kind of systems in 2019 and like having that kind of input. Like I say, we're not we're not going to expect every club to just like stand up tomorrow morning and be like, right, we are now buying stats players or something something as uh, simplistic as that. That's that's not how it works. But yeah, to 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 be a, a a club of pretty much any size and have like no data integration at all in 2019 is you know you, you're behind the curve you, you know the, the smart clubs are ahead of you and you should probably catch up well it's interesting because like i think the premier league is getting smarter but they're getting smarter in the sense that they're making fewer mistakes they're not mm-hmm. necessarily getting smarter in that they're maximizing their returns or their potential returns 
And and sometimes they just don't get deals over the line that are rumored that, that make a lot of sense. But other times you're just like, you know, what were all the alternatives? And, and you don't know that. It's hard to evaluate. Like, what are all the players that Stat DNA recommended to Arsenal over time? Right. And, yeah. and who is responsible for that stuff? You don't know. It's not it's not possible to know that even inside of some organizations. The only people that might know are the ones that are at the top and aggregating all this stuff, which your know, director of football or head of recruitment or, or whatever. Uh, but the, the point of all of this is that you know, we we do get asked occasionally, like, what would make sense? And the budgetary output for these type of teams is so minuscule. And if you're just finding out more about your own organization, more about what's possible from the outside, but you do want to do it with someone that has experience, right? It doesn't have to be us, but like there are other other you know people out there who are also very good at this that, that are capable of doing similar things. And it just makes so much sense to learn more about your club and about the space because like this is the future. And and we've been I've been talking about this for a long time. It's gonna happen more and more. And we see like Vladin Sormaz get hired at, at Leicester and you see mm. and, you know tons of people that we have talked to often with stats bomb DNA that get hired into the space. But it's a very slow process. And you know, I think a lot of the clubs across Europe right now, especially the ones in like Spain and and Italy, are they might be the ones that are in trouble a few years from now. Where if a lot of other countries get smart quickly, like France is in the process of doing, England has done definitely. Um, you know, if you're the last guy on the chain of the dumb guys or, or the ones that are not clued into this stuff, you're going to make a lot of mistakes over time that don't necessarily look like mistakes. Yeah. And, and it's going to cause your performance, you know, in your league, in Europe to suffer. You're going to be the clubs eating other teams' mistakes, aren't you? Like, oh, that looks like a good deal. We'll take that guy off your hands. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, Billy, Billy Bean's public stuff is like, you just always need a bigger sucker, right? Uh, he, he, he talks about that and he's like, you know, as long as I can find somebody that I can make a deal with that doesn't understand the value, like, I can probably come out ahead, even off of our own mistakes. And, and you know, as long as you keep like that polish and that shine. The Vincent Jensen one was that we talked about, I think about a month ago, is like, how do you polish him back up? Or maybe it was back in January. Like, how do you fix it so that teams are comfortable, you know, buying him as opposed to it just looking like a, a 20 million pound mistake? Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, it's tricky, but you need to think about it. Perceptual is part of the market. So anyway, that is all for the transfers today. We went way longer than I expected. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's good. All, all right. right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Please sign up for Statsbound Courses. We're coming up to the deadlines. If you're interested at all, we'd love to see you in person. That would be very cool. Uh, James and I are not going to have a rap battle, but you can dream about that if you're, if you're into it. And, uh, and we'll be <laughs> back possibly next week with more transfer stuff. Okay. Thank you and good night. <laughs>